Good morning. Thank you, Paul and Mara, for leading us in worship. Um, as we continue, we're going to read our passage from this morning. It comes from the book of uh, Mark, and we'll be reading uh, Mark 1, uh, 40 through 45, from the uh, Common English Bible. It says, A man with a skin disease approached Jesus, fell to his knees, and begged. If you want, you can make me clean. In sent, Jesus reached out of his hand and touched him and said, I do want to be, be clean. Instantly, the skin disease left him, and he was clean. Instantly, Jesus sent him away, saying, Don't say anything to anyone. Instead, go and show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifice for your cleansing that Moses command. This will be testimony to them. Instead, he went out and started talking freely and spreading the news so that Jesus wasn't able to enter a town openly. He remained outside in the desert place, but people came to him from everywhere. Would you join me in prayer for the scripture this morning? Thank you, God, for this time. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, for... Uh, this passage that show us that you are a God who uh, listens and wants to heal our lives. When we become broken, when we become sick, when we're desperate, when we uh, seek refuge, you're always there for us. And uh, I pray that uh, as we hear the sermon, as we hear Pastor Lee preaching, that you uh, speak uh, through him and that we can receive in our hearts what you have for us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. I write real quick on writing God is good in the Facebook comments. All the time. Just so they're like, how is he writing in the Facebook comments while speaking? Okay. Got to engage people. Um... I always forget to I always forget to say this, but uh, if you're a kid, um, the the kids' room downstairs is open if you wish, and there's a parent or some parents in there, so informal. Um, and there's something else that I was gonna say. Oh, on November 13th, a Saturday, we're gonna have a work day out there, and it's a perfect time to. Teach your children the value of work ethic, right? By bringing their rakes and raking up leaves. Uh, and uh, some of the community garden people will be making garden boxes, right, Andrew? Or re repairing them. Uh, so lunch will be provided. More information will come out uh, about start times, but probably sometime in the morning, whenever you wake up and get out there. Uh, bring your family out there and rake some leaves. Really, it's a big job. <laughs> and fun. You can make a pile and dive into them and stuff like that. But we continue in our Jesus Moves sermon series. And uh, last week I, I read a quote from Anne Lamott. And basically the summary of that quote was, if we came to church in expectation of God 
moving in power among us, right, would church be boring? We would put on our crash helmets, expecting God to show up and the Holy Spirit to move. And the age-old question is, do people change? Do people change? And a lot of us, a lot of people who are cynical, sometimes me included, uh, think no. Just from life experience and just from evidence and knowing people, knowing myself, people don't change, right? People don't change. Once a bully, always a bully. Once uh, something, always a something. People don't change. But as Christians, we must believe, as disciples of Christ, we must, we do believe that Jesus is sovereign that he has powers over the wind and the rain and the storms and power to cast out spirits and heal the body and to transform communities and systems and even governments. We believe that. Amen? We believe that Jesus moves and uh, is transformative. And, um, and our lives, I'm sure, if we took had a chance to sit here and journal and reflect on our lives, our lives would be full of moments and seasons of transformation where we would give thanks and praise to God like you showed up, you did something in my heart and my life, you did something in that person's heart and their life and I don't know how you did it but you did it. Real change, real healing, Real renewal. And this is what the series is basically about. Jesus moves. That we can change. People can change. Neighborhoods can change. Churches can change. Communities can change. Because he first moves us. That the all-powerful externally from the outside pushes. Right? And makes, creates change in us. And... I do have to say that change is not always that moment, right? That retreat high moment or like boom, right? A miracle. Ah! I start levitating in here and everyone gives their life to Christ. No, nothing like that all the time. But sometimes, but sometimes it's over a long period of time. And you know, you know the, on Facebook, if you're still on Facebook, I am, because I'm of that generation. Um, on Facebook, when they put up that, those memories, right? Six years ago on this day, boom. Or, and recently in my news feed, uh, I think this week, over this weekend, um, two, two feeds came about Renew. And one was our very first um, preview service which uh, in church planting parlance, when you're planting a church, you have, we used to have three preview services, a month apart or two months apart, just to like test the waters, like kind of like, you know, beta worship service, because you're not having worship service weekly. And so in the Northgate Community Center, it said 10 years ago, first, first, uh, what do you call it? preview service and I looked at it and first of all everyone was probably like 15 years younger than we are here on average and uh, a lot more Asian people um, young people 
Um, but it just amazed me just to see that image um, because sometimes I'm like, I feel like, oh, God's not doing anything or it's just the same old, same old, blah, 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 blah. But when you see, when you reflect upon the past and just looking at that memory, I'm like, wow, God has done a lot. God has done a lot in this church and God has done a lot in me. Um, and so that, that was really amazing. And then the, the other memory that came up was four years ago, we had a first service in here. And so this actually is our fourth anniversary, but we're not a church to be like, ah, our fifth anniversary, our fifth anniversary. Maybe because I don't plan ahead, but or whatever. <laughs> oh, man. So it's our fourth anniversary. We've been in Linwood for four years, I think, right? Not five, four years. Woo! We're still, we're still going. Nothing can take us out. COVID can't take us out. Um, um, the other thing is, as I reflect, is oftentimes as clergy, as a person in professional ministry, um, I lose focus. I forget that I too am a disciple of Christ and that Christ is continually working in me, performing heart surgery, because the temptation is that, or I can tend to fall into the lie and the trap that to be a pastor and teacher of the word means that I need to be an expert. I need to stay on top of my game. I need to always be right in my heart as I stand up here and speak. I need to be able to give people life's answers um, and then give people theological answers when they ask know more about the Bible than everyone else. I'm sure there's a lot of people that know more parts of certain parts of the Bible than I do. I, I challenge you, but <laughs> I'm sure in this room there are people. And so, but pastors tend to fall into that trap. Like, it's about competence. It's about performance. It's about, like, I need to be put together because what, are, what would it mean if I said, I don't know, or I'm lost, or I'm confused, or or even to repent, I struggle with this. Like, that would, like, it's scary. It's a scary, vulnerable place. Like, will I lose trust? Will people by authority, like, get messed up? What, you know, all of this stuff, all of this kind of traditional, and then on top of that, growing up in the immigrant Korean church where it's like, the pastor is the man, right? Or, well, in the Korean church, it's the man, right? Other places, it's man and woman, but... You have to be the bottom line. You have to be, your word goes, right? And you get served food first. You know, people give you birthday presents and a birthday party on your, uh, on your birthday. Like, we don't do that at Renew, right? That's a Korean thing. Just <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I don't need a birthday party. Um, but anyways... My birthday came and went, no one said anything. No, I'm, just kidding. Um, I'm kidding. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. I'm hurt. Um, where was I? Gosh, so distracting. Just to be an expert in the Bible and having the answers to people's biblical questions, having to be an expert in the spiritual life and be put together in the one 
and the one discerning everything at all times. Or if it were a larger church to be a CEO, right? Like bringing in the bottom line, bringing in the people, being in charge of the marketing campaign. There's a lot that, um, there's a lot of lies that pastors tell themselves. Um, and we forget that Jesus moves in our own hearts, that we are disciples of Christ and that we're on a journey uh, of change, of transformation. And I've been uh, really on the, a journey in transformation um, and those Facebook memories helped to kind of bring that to light over this weekend. Like, man, God has been working in my heart and he's still working in my heart. I reflected back to my college days, and I think I've mentioned this before, that I am of the fraternal order of Phi Delta Theta, which many of you probably wouldn't have guessed of me that I was in a fraternity. Um, I didn't think I would join a fraternity in college. Uh, I did so my senior year to start a Bible study because my staff worker said, you go <laughs> into the the fraternity and, lead and start something in the Greek system. And, and we looked at other people in the fellowship and we're like, yeah, you're probably the only one that can do it. Um, so I did. So I knocked on the door of Phi Delta Theta and been like, can I join? I was a senior and they're like, yeah, Sim wants to join. Um, and it was really, really crazy. But I remember how it wasn't a glorious year of ministry. I mean, a lot of good things happened, and I grew a lot. But I spent a lot of that year pissed off, just angry, 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 angry. And I was angry because no one visited me. Uh, my old you know, Bible study leader friends on InterVarsity leadership, no one visited me. I felt very distinctly the, the gap between the Greek system and the, in the independence. Like, you cross this road, no one crosses this road, and definitely Christians don't go over, you know, to the Greek, into the Greek system. And so I felt this. And I also, having kind of like the evangelistic bent, I would always get angry at the holy huddle. You know what the holy huddle is? Like, all the Christian Bible studies leaders gathering together, and they would eat in the dorm like cafeteria. And I come by, and I'm like, "Why are you all at this table?" I wouldn't say it. I would just, you know, go sit somewhere else on my own and go, <laughs> "Right? Why are you all at this table? Each one of you at this table could be doing that over there and doing that over there." And doing that over there. And I would be so mad. So mad that I would continue to isolate myself. Isolate myself. Isolate myself. Until it was me against them. Me against them. Me against them. About what it means to be faithful. And I feel those things still as a planter. Like God is challenging me. Like I like to start things. But the questions I'm going through now are like. Do I want to build, stay and build things? Or when we're in a long meeting, making a decision about something, or 
you know, drawing up policies or stuff like that. Stuff that churches need to, they're growing pains, right? We need to do these things as we grow. But what am I feeling in the midst of this? Like, ah, this is so boring. Like, rules, like, break the rules, right? And I'm sure my leader, leaders right now are like, oh, oh. <laughs> like, what's happening to Dave up there? Um, Like, so, just to be honest, those questions come up all the time, like, am I, like, you know, I came out of the parachurch, like, am I a church guy, <laughs> right? Like, in the form that it is right now, am I a church guy? Like, am I a lifer in church? And sometimes I'm like, I don't know. But the, the other parts of me are like, God has been moving in my heart. He's changing me, and he's healing me, and he's making me more responsible. <laughs> or like, what does it mean? I mean, there's a difference between competence and like showing that you're perfect in front and being reliable, right? Being, being there and present um, in the church or present with people. And I think God's been pushing that like, don't run in that anger or don't run in your frustration or don't knock down the blocks that are being built up, but be, right? It's okay to be you because God does, if God doesn't build the house, right, we work in vain, amen? That's from the Psalms. If God doesn't build the house, we work in vain. Anyways, I went off too long on that part, but... D.L. Moody said, wrote, the Bible was not given for our information, but for our transformation. The Bible was not given for our information, but for my transformation. And this is the main thing, point that I wanted to get off of that whole monologue, was that it isn't about competence. It isn't about information. It isn't about knowledge. The reason why we gather, the reason why we hear from the word, the reason why we do a Bible study is not to get more knowledge about what the Bible is about or to know about God more in our heads, but it's about transformation. And that all ties into whether we believe Jesus is powerful and the Holy Spirit is moving in his community and his church. Amen? If we don't believe that, then transformation, we don't believe in transformation. We don't believe that Someone, anyone could come up here who doesn't have an education, who comes from a different culture, who sits on the margins, we wouldn't believe they have anything to speak to us when they speak from the word. But, and Jesus can use a child to come and speak, and we would be moved, amen? Because the Bible was not given for information, but for our transformation. Are you with me, church? Next slide. So, to the scripture, this passage, um, in context, it's Mark chapter 1. Our last passage was on the earlier half of Mark chapter 1, where Jesus casts out uh, the demon, and the people are amazed at a new teaching, and his, who teaches with authority, Jesus teaches with authority. Here, well, between this passage and last week's passage, Jesus has gone to... Peter, 
Peter's mother-in-law's house. So Peter was married. Um, Peter's mother-in-law's house and uh, all these people were at the door. They're coming to the door. Heal us, heal us, heal us because word had spread about Jesus. Heal us, heal us. It was just crowding the doors. And Jesus uh, ends up saying to the disciples, let's go. Let's go. Or he goes to a solitary place by himself. And his disciples are actually sent out a search party and are looking for him. Where's Jesus? And when they find him, they said, everyone's looking for you. Almost like, you know, chastising him. Like, what are you doing? You're hiding out here. What are you doing? Don't you know? You got to get back. The people are there. They want your healing. And I can imagine Jesus going, And he goes back. And then a little later, you know, as more and more people are coming to be healed, an interesting thing happens because Jesus says, let's go to the next town and then to the other towns. Let's leave this place because I came to preach. Right? That, that, I came here to do, I'm on a mission, not just to, I mean, the implication is not just to like do magic tricks and heal people, but I also need to teach people about God and about the way, about life in him. And so they go. Um, so I think that gives us some context about this interaction uh, with this man with leprosy um, because it seems like Jesus is not interested in like the hype, right? The, you know, the celebrity status or just healing for healing's sake. Um, and maybe he's kind of annoyed at the crowds. Maybe he's being human. Like, oh man, I'm an, I'm an I on the Myers-Briggs. And I just, right, I can do E for ministry's sake, but I'm an I, right? And I need my solitary place. I need my downtime. Um, so this, this part is interesting. The, the man with leprosy says, you know, heal me, heal me. He cries out to Jesus. And the common English Bible says, incensed, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. If you look at the NIV, it'll probably say indignant. Indignant, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. The rest of your translations will probably say, moved by compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. And I'm like, as I was studying this, I was like, wait a second. That's a huge difference, right? Like, moved by compassion, Jesus touched him versus incensed, Jesus touched him. What's going on here? And so I chose, of course, the common English Bible version because I like incensed, and, you know, it, it, it's more, a lot more interesting. Um, and there's a lot of arguments. I won't go into the details, but basically one, one manuscript, you know, there's a lot of Greek manuscripts that gets, you know, people worked with to create the translations of the, the New Testament. But there's only one manuscript that uses, that still has incense, the Greek word for incense. And the rest of them are moved by compassion or even indignant. Uh, but the argument for incense is it makes more sense that editors would make the passage more palatable to who Jesus is rather than to make it more like 
That doesn't make sense. That's, that's not how Jesus... Does that make sense? Rather than make the passage harder, they would more likely make the passage easier by saying, resolve the... Like, why is Jesus healing them when he's mad? No, Jesus is healing them because he had compassion on them. Right? I think, I think indignant in the NIV is probably really good because it goes in with the whole context. Like, maybe he's indignant because he's like, oh, here comes another one. But... The flip side of that is later he says, I am willing. And he touches the man, right? Jesus is willing to touch the man. I like incense because I think that Jesus is upset and angry just like he was upset and angry when he walked into the temple, right? That he was incensed and angry about the situation that the le this leper was in, isolated, right, quarantined, relegated to the outside of the town. There were leper colonies established. And, and if you want more background information on this, you can go to Leviticus 13 and 14, which are all the Levitical laws on skin diseases and how, what, what do you have to do if you have certain skin diseases, and then later how to be cleansed. Because when in the Levitical law, when you have skin diseases like leprosy, right, you had to declare yourself unclean and the priest examined you and you were declared unclean and you had to quarantine, meaning you were like essentially excommunicated out of the community and you had to live separately. And also, you know, you've heard pastors say maybe in past sermons like when you were walking around, you have to say unclean, unclean, unclean to warn people that you were ceremonially unclean and they couldn't touch you or come into contact with you. So Leviticus, Leviticus 13 and 14, you can read up on that. I won't go into that um, here. Um, so there's a lot of things going, going on here and I feel like Jesus is incensed because this man for the whole of his life, like it wasn't his fault. He didn't make this choice to be unclean and, um, you know, set apart, ostracized. And here's this man who probably hasn't been touched physically in a long, long time, if ever, who is avoided, who, um, you know, it, it's like the people, who are the people we ignore every day in our everyday life? just because they're on the margins of on the periphery of our own attention, our own agendas. Who are those people? And that's this man. Jesus wanted to be with his people so much, with so much passion, with so much love, with so much compassion, that he came to usher in, proclaim, and embody in real time, consequential tactility, Touch the kingdom of God. He came, reached out his hand, and touched us. Amen? This motion of reach out and touch usness incarnation is the very core and the heart of Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. This is a reflection I wrote on this passage, so if it sounds like I'm reading, I am. In the same breath of the heart, Jesus is incensed. 
He's incensed at the powers of evil that would bring a man to his knees begging. Incensed at the denial of access to the spiritual community and the family of God. Incensed at the brutality of social isolation. Incensed at the debilitating shame and the loss of identity his child has suffered as he begs and wonders if Jesus would even want to make him clean. Do you want to make me clean? At least my father's servants live better than this. I will go to him and say, I am no longer worthy to be called your child, but take me as your servant. This is love that a parent can be incensed that the world can be so jacked up as to hurt her little one on the one hand, but with the other hand still gently touch and comfort that little one with a healing touch. Jesus loves the man and is enraged but not confused at the same time. Jesus wants to. Yes, loved ones, he wants to. And maybe it was not the right moment and perhaps this healing was even inconvenient in that it opened the floodgates of public need, but Jesus wants to and can and will. There's no shame upon the asker, and Jesus wills and touches. You will once again run out speaking freely and spreading the news. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was addicted, but now I dance. I was invisible, but now I am known. I was isolated, but now I am restored to the family. Praise Jesus, Hosanna, he is Lord. Freedom. Jesus touched him. That was radical. Someone who was unclean, Jesus touched and healed. And when Jesus touches and heals people, it's not just, it's a holistic thing, right? It's not just he healed them physically, but Jesus, right, he wants to restore this person, transform this person, restore this person socially, emotionally, spiritually, along with the physical. Because he tells the man, go to the priest. Don't say anything. Go to the priest. Like Moses' law says, so that he could declare you clean, so you can be cleansed. Jesus cleanses us of our sin. Jesus cleanses us of our malady. Jesus cleanses us and frees us from our fear, from our anxiety, from the things that would separate us from other people, from the anger and the bitterness that we've been holding on for years and years, and we just can't seem to let go and that interaction or that thing that someone said just triggers something and you don't know why. Why am I having such an intense emotional reaction to this sim simple interaction? There must be something boiling up in here and I just can't let it go. Like what is that? And that's what Jesus is doing when he touches this man is like all of that right it's being set free Jesus moves Jesus moves 
Jesus moves. I think I have another slide. I don't know what I... Jesus moves. <laughs> so Jesus moves. Um, it's interesting. Another thing that um, came out of this passage for me is that it seems like in context that Jesus had been looking for a solitary place. Like he was kind of moving away from the crowds, like kind of like, I need to get away from the crowds. I came here to preach the word, but also I need to go to a solitary place. Let's go to the next town. He's, he's running from the crowds, per se, and yet the crowds keep coming, or people keep coming. And so, after he touches uh, this man and heals this man, he says, don't go, don't go, don't say anything. And I think he's being real here. He's like, don't go say anything because, you know what, when people find out, there's going to be another, like, wave, another crowd coming at me. So... Um, he's being uh, very practical here and kind of like, I don't want the crowds to come to me. But the man doesn't do as he w Jesus said. He actually can't help. He's moved. He's so moved that he can't help. He can't even obey Jesus, right? He's like, I'm going to go tell everyone. That is our response to renewal, to transformation, to healing. Our response is worship and praise and let's go tell it on a mountain, right? Let's go tell it. Let's go share the good news. Let's witness. Let's, let's testify. Let's give testimony and share it. Share the good news just like if anything good happened to you. I got a new job. Everyone, tweet, Instagram, Facebook, right? Like, I was thinking, what's the other one? TikTok. That's why I did the floss. Just TikTok. Like, oh, I got a new job, I got a new baby, we're having a baby, we're this or that, blah, blah, blah. Like, good news. And this is our response when Jesus moves in our life, when we truly experience the Holy Spirit and transforming us, is like, yes! Right? Amen? And that's the re person's response. But what happens is that the crowds hear of this, and it says Jesus can't go anywhere without the crowds following him, right? So he ends up going outside into the outskirts, to the lonely places. And the people came out to him, like the hermits of the, the old days, like the desert fathers. I go to the deserts and the people come to you. And the interesting thing is that essentially... Jesus traded places with the leper, right? right? Jesus, even though he didn't want to, I ended up having to go to the lonely place, separated out. And the man, in, in restoring this man. And that's the sacrifice of our Savior. Amen. That's what the Savior does for us. And we're not Jesus. Each of us, we're not Jesus, right? Jesus is Jesus. But Jesus is also our leader and, and model for us in how we live. 
as we serve people, as we touch people around us, it isn't without pain. It isn't without sacrifice. And it isn't without like walking a mile in their shoes, if that makes sense. Just as Jesus stepped in, touched this man, and then was traded places with him, essentially, and being outside of the community, we take on, we do take on the pain, uh, the poverty, um, the anxiety, the fear, the pain of, of the people around us that we touch. Um, But Jesus uh, gives us what we need. Jesus meets us in that. Jesus um, heals us as well. And so the message is twofold, right? Again, Jesus is healing us. There's no place in our hearts or our lives that he doesn't want to touch. You know, there are places in my heart that I've gone to counseling for multiple times, multiple seasons in my life. And sometimes I'm like, that piece is so deep, that's never coming out, right? I don't care how much talk therapy I do or whatever. You know, that's not. But Jesus can touch and is touching that place and healing it and wants to take it on for you and free you because we're, we're no longer slaves to those things. Like he's breaking the chains in our life. And my hope and prayer is that we can be a church that in each of your lives and as a community, we can be a church that proclaims that freedom, amen? <laughs> that freedom from the chains that we can proclaim to the captives. Like, let me tell you, about what Jesus did for me. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your power in this place. And I pray that in this time we would all experience so deeply your presence, so deeply um, your power, and that we would be able to come to you humbly and vulnerably and with hope to ask you, will you cleanse me, Jesus? Will you cleanse me? And to hear the words on your lips, I want to, I want to. Cleanse us, Jesus. Restore us. Renew us and transform us so that we can be your children, your ambassadors, your witnesses. Amen.